Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. I am thankful that you're here. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan Keith. I, as of yesterday, I am an elder here at the church. I just started my first term as an elder, so they put us to work right away. Well, first service didn't clap, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so they put us to work right away. Uh, and I, I'm just so excited to be here and, and share with you. In addition to being an elder here at the church, I am a, a missionary of the church. And I um, have the privilege of leading an organization called Forgotten Voices that was birthed out of this church. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've had to go into the parts of this world that are hard. Uh, we work in Southern Africa, helping local churches in Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Malawi meet the physical and spiritual needs of children orphaned by AIDS in their communities. Uh, it's been a really great privilege uh, to shepherd that for a while, and I am thankful always for the opportunities to share about that. Uh, but this morning, uh, we're going to look at, if you would, open your Bibles to um, Exodus 14. We're going to be there in a little bit. Um, but uh, before, I want to tell you a story. Before we do that, there is this picture of the Crooked Valleys of Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if other people call it the Crooked Valleys, but my family does. And so therefore, that's what we're going to call it this morning. This is central Tennessee, about an hour east of Nashville. And this is where my great-grandfather grew up. He used to travel around on a donkey, actually, uh, planting churches and preaching at revivals through the Crooked Valleys of Tennessee. And this next picture is a picture of the house that my grandfather grew up in, or what's left of it. It's not much bigger than this, uh, just based on the foundation around the property, if you get into the thicket and the weeds. Uh, but it was just really humble beginnings. And the next picture is a picture of my grandfather, uh, who, who is no longer alive. He's since passed away. But this red barn he used to faithfully work on after he retired uh, and moved back to central Tennessee. And that red barn still stands where my grandmother lives uh, in the Crooked Valleys of Tennessee. Uh, my my great-grandfather, uh, my grandfather here used to, uh, he had a fifth grade education. Uh, and, but yet, uh, he was so curious about the world. I will never forget that when I was a student at Messiah College, he called me once and he said, Ryan, I have a question for you. And I said, yes. And he said, could you help me figure out how to sell goats on the internet. And I said, Grandpa, um, maybe, but you don't know how to use a computer. You don't have one. You don't know how to use the internet. You don't know how uh, to do a lot of the things that are going to be required. Uh, but sure, let's try. So that very day, he went out and bought a computer, called a young friend of his who came over and, and helped him learn how to use it over time. And I set up a website, and then he went on to sell goats on the internet. <laughs> and, I, and I tell you that to tell you that my, my grandfather was always quick to remind us of where we've come from as a family. Not to brag that his life was harder, but to remind us to be thankful as his grandchildren and his children. Because he used to tell stories in that humble home around how they, his, his, his dad, so my great-grandfather used to work so hard and do odd jobs to provide for the family uh, so that he could go out and preach the gospel and do all those things and so that at Christmas time, each child would get a slice of cheese. 
And that was a good Christmas. This is where my heritage comes from, the crooked valleys of central Tennessee. My son Camden, if you've seen him around, he's a really cute 18-month-old kid. If you see a cute kid, it's probably mine. His name's Camden. <laughs> and, and Camden, the name means from the crooked valley. It's a, it's a daily visual reminder to my wife and I of where our family has come from. Now, from those humble beginnings, I am so thankful for the opportunities that God has afforded me and our family. I'll never forget my, my mom's dad. So my, great grand, my grandfather on my other side uh, once helped me go to, to Oxford. When I was at Messiah, I got to go to Oxford and study abroad in Oxford. And I couldn't afford to go, but my grandparents made that available to me. And after I got back, he said, he said and, and this grandpa too, they both asked like, how was your trip? And I'd shared about the amazing places I got to go. I went to France and Italy and I spent a lot of time in the library. I learned about a lot of things. I spent too much time in the library. Like I, I grew and I learned so many things. And as I finished telling those stories, both my grandfathers would just be like, wow, I am so thankful for these opportunities and experiences and new topics that you've learned about because what new ways you now have to tell others about Jesus. Like everything was viewed as a spirit of thanksgiving to connect with other people about Jesus. They were thankful. Now, from those humble beginnings, I am thankful, but I'm also entitled. I'm an entitled, ungrateful person. You would think I wouldn't be after what the story I just told. It's like, wow, every day I get to see Camden. He is cute, and he's awesome, and he is from the Crooked Valley, right? Yet, I'm ungrateful. So just recently, uh, my family moved and, 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 a, and some friends gave us a swing set, their swing set, which used to be owned by Tony Hunt. Some of you know him, our youth, former youth pastor here at the church. Like, so I got a, a new swing set and it is great. And we were so excited about it, we put it in and I realized we don't have a swing set, a swing for Camden. And he's 18 months old and the other swings are unsafe for him because he's 18 months old. And so I, I wanted a new swing. I didn't just want a swing, I needed a swing, right? So I went out and did what you probably would do. I picked up my phone, I didn't go shopping. I picked up my phone, pulled up the Amazon app, found a good swing, good quality, high rated, five stars, affordable price. I have Prime, so I get it in two days, which is pretty great. I didn't even need to sign in, I could just use my finger, because uh, it's got, my phone knows that it's me. And I ordered the swing on a Wednesday morning and then I get this email saying, we're sorry. It's not going to come in two days. It's going to come in five. <laughs> five days for something I ordered on my phone that should be here in two days? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so later that day, the order is shipped, but somehow it's, gonna, it's already gone, but it's not going to be here in two days. It's going to come in five. My sister calls and says, oh, well... My wife told her um, that we were looking for a swing and she said, she said, oh, well, we have one. My sister said, oh, and we're driving through on our way into North Carolina for something and we'll just drop it off for you tomorrow and you can just have it for free. Unbelievable. So I now have this swing right here that Amazon now wants me to pay or it's gonna, UPS wants me to spend 20 bucks to ship it back because I don't need it anymore. 
the outrage. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're laughing. My name's Ryan. I'm an entitled, ungrateful person. And you are too. The danger, one of the challenges of, of, of preaching on thanks, thankfulness or what it means to be thankful is that in this entitled world, well, everything is instant access now, 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 now. And we all can get things now, 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 or in five days, uh, which really isn't that long. Um, but when you need it now, five days is a long time. When you talk about being thankful, we all know of people who are less grateful than ourselves, right? And we indict our culture as an entitled culture, which we are, and we say, oh, this ungrateful world we live in, if it could only be a little more thankful like me. Man, kids today, that's true. We are entitled. We do live in an entitled world. But that's part of our story too. That's why as I studied thankfulness, I want to look at, I think God wants us to ask three questions. Uh, what does it mean to be thankful? Why should we be thankful? And how to become thankful? So what does it mean to be thankful? To be thankful means to think of God and thank him in all things. To be thankful is to think of God and thank him in all things. To be thankful means to think of God and thank him in all things. Now, that might be a leap for some of you. I, I now have read, uh, I tried to read every verse of thanks, thankfulness, thank, gratitude, anything that was about thanksgiving. I tried to read that. And, and I don't know my Greek and Hebrew, so I want to stay in my lane. Uh, but I love words. I love words. A quick side, some of you might know because I tell this all the time. My favorite word is peruse. In the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, the A definition is to examine thoroughly. That's the English use peruse for. We use it like to peruse a magazine to skim through. So like when you use peruse, you might not know what you're saying. So I love peruse. But, but as I look at like the history of the word thank, this is what I found. When I looked at like the history and the way that it's been used over time, thank uh, came from this idea of to thank the good, to thank good. So like if I see Jason or George or whoever, like if I see people and I thank the good in them when I see them, or I thank the good in all experiences. So when I'm thankful, I am thanking the good. And before that, that came from to think of goodwill. So whenever I'd see someone, like say I, I see Jason, I'm picking on you, Jason, thank you. Uh, so when I see Jason, I think of Jason's goodwill, not just toward me, but to my environment, my, my world. I think of goodwill when I think of Jason, when I see him. And before that, it came from an expression of to think of God. So every time you see people or you encounter people, you are to think of God in all things. So to thank someone is to think of God and thank him in all things. That's the history of it. It's pretty cool, right? So when we say, like, I'm thankful for the Red Sox, but when I think about it like this, am I really? I mean, I love the Red Sox. I'm not thankful to the Yankees. I am thankful for the Red Sox. But am I really thankful 
Like, am I thinking of God and thanking him in all things? It's really forced me to think about the way I use that word. Throughout scripture, thankfulness is almost always expressed toward God. Occasionally there's, there's references of like, I thank you, but it's always, I thank you as a person because of your manifestation of God in or through you, right? Like I'm thanking you, but I'm actually thanking God for displaying himself in you or through you. So when we're thankful, we're always thinking about God. So why should we be thankful? Well, what we're thankful for in this life tells others what we yearn for in heaven. What we're thankful for in this life tells others what we yearn for in heaven. Whether we have a posture of thanksgiving or not, what, we, what we're thankful for tells others what we yearn for in heaven. When we're thankful, we thank God for who he is and declare his glory. And we have much to be thankful for. So much. Our past, our present, and our future. And so we're going to look at each of those. Our past, our present, and our future. Now, as I was praying for each of you and all of you and, and, and praying for this time and preparing, um, it struck me that when we think about our past, we always aren't thankful for people or situations or events. Scripture doesn't tell us that we need to be thankful for all things. It tells us that we need to be thankful in all things. Right? So you might have a bad relationship with a dad. You might have had something happen to you that you regret. Uh, something that, that, that you've done that you wish you could undo. Uh, you might have had a bad experience. You might have had a health issue. You might be having a health issue right now. I'm not saying that we need to be thankful for all things, and Scripture isn't telling us that. It is saying that we should be thankful in all things. And I also point this out of past and your past to highlight that I think we are quick to think about ourselves as the center of our story. And when I say that we should be thankful for our past, I want us to think about our past, like God's people, our past. And so Exodus 14 is a good place to go. Here's where we are in Exodus 14. We're going to start at verse 11, but before we do that, here's where we are. We're, you might remember that, that this is, um, that God's people, right, had been just liberated from the Egyptians. After 400 years of slavery and, and just poor treatment, after seven crazy plagues, uh, they have been freed by Pharaoh, right? And they are marching out of Egypt and going. And what, what happens? They encounter the Red Sea. So imagine being liberated after 400 years of slavery through seven heroic and horrific plagues that you would never forget. You would think you would never forget. You suddenly are liberated and you're marching toward the Red Sea and you come across this, this big giant body of water. This isn't the yellow breeches, right? I love the yellow breeches, but this is like a massive body of water. And Pharaoh changes his mind and off he's running, chasing you from behind. His chariots and horses are coming after you. And this is where we are. Exodus 14, verse 11. This is what the people said to Moses. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. 
serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So the people just liberated after 400 years of slavery from seven crazy memorable, you will never forget it. Like imagine locusts everywhere. Like you would never forget this stuff. And God liberated you from that. And then you're saying like, does God even care, right? So this is what, they begin questioning the Lord. And this is what, and it goes on in 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord for he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Some translations say you need only be still. And that's pivotal, right? Because in no, no uncertain terms, Moses was saying, this is about God, not you. I in no way want you to think that you are partially responsible for what I am about to do for you. I have liberated you from the Egyptians. The Egyptians are closing in and the Red Sea is before you. I am going to make a way for you. Today, the Egyptians go down. This is about me. Sounds good, right? Check this out. But the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward as if to say, trust me, look at what I've already done. Am doing right now and will do. I am taking you to the promised land. And in that moment, God chose to trust God with his people ready to abandon hope. Moses stretched out his hands and parted the Red Sea. Imagine that. Just, just for a second, imagine being there. This is like not the yellow breaches. This is like the Red Sea. Walls of water. I got like my kids, my brother-in-law, my son-in-law. Like I got all these people. I don't have a son-in-law yet. Um, but like we got all these people. We're going through the Red Sea. You would never forget that. Isn't God good? Our story involves this story. This is our story. But it's also what comes next. After making it through the Red Sea and the Egyptians were killed by the sea, they wandered in the desert for 40 years because they kept forgetting that God is faithful and God will provide for them. We have much to be thankful for in our past but history tells us that we are entitled, ungrateful people. And modern America does not have a corner on that. Don't dismiss it too quickly as something that, man, like we are in an age unlike any other. These people were freed from Egypt and saw the Red Sea part before them and they made a way and God delivered them to the promised land and they doubted him almost the next day. We are entitled people, and that is part of our story. I have this dear friend, um, after high school, uh, he uh, sadly got involved in pornography uh, to the extent that he eventually became uh, involved in making these films professionally. And, uh, you know, a couple years after he had gotten out of this industry, he and I were walking and talking, and we'd walk for hours, and he just, the shame of what he had done 
was just like dripping on him. You could feel it. And I will never forget when he had that breakthrough, uh, when he realized that uh, after months of prayer and reflection, I'll never forget when Thanksgiving poured out upon him, when he realized that he is not enough. Like he can't take away the shame that he feels and he has to give that to God. Uh, He has to daily, daily give God a desire Ask God to bring in him a desire for the things of him and to take away the desires not of him. So in that same way, we need to take away, we need to ask God to take away our ungrateful spirits every day because history tells us that we are not going to be liberated unless we do. If we believe that we in any way, shape, or form can change our destiny through our own self-will, we are sadly mistaken and we have centuries to prove it. We cannot even for a day believe that we are worthy of God's gratitude toward us. But in everything we give praise to God, our past as a people is that man cannot and will not stop being entitled by our own volition. To become thankful requires us to daily engage in acts of thanksgiving and reminding ourselves of this truth of our past. But here's the thing. Jesus came died and rose again that you and I might have life and have it to the full. We have much to be thankful for. Romans 5, let's look at this. Romans 5, 6 through 11, write that down. Romans 5, 6 through 11, this is something as I've been preparing. Man, this is awesome. Read this to yourself every day or when you find yourself being ungrateful, read this passage because wow, check this out. Romans 5, 6 through 11, this is what it says. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. That's not us. We're not a righteous person. But this is the key one. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't until like, it wasn't like he waited for us to get our stuff together and he said, okay, now you're ready. He knew that we were still sinners, knew we couldn't do it, knew we even believed that we could, and he still chose to die for us. Wow. Since therefore, it goes on, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. This is part of our past. More than that, we also rejoice in God through Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have much to be thankful for. The gospel is the key to unlocking thanksgiving or thankfulness in our life. Without the gospel in our past, we have no present or future hope of becoming thankful. You can't will yourself to become an entitled person. And you acknowledge the central role that Jesus has played in your life. And wow, how much we have to be thankful for. But being thankful is really hard work. It's really hard work, but it's good for us. Because every day we have a world that's telling us, ah, you don't need to be thankful. Come on, you worked hard. You did it. The American dream. Yes, God calls us to work hard. But whether our hard work bears fruit or not, it's the privilege and responsibility we have to live lives of thankfulness as a demonstration of our faith in God. 
John 16, 33 says, this is a great verse too. I mean, every verse is great, but John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I will never forget when my friend, that friend I was just talking about, when he said that he, uh, I will never forget when he said that he's not thankful for the sin and delighting in pornography, but he is thankful now for what God has done because he's been liberated. He knew that he couldn't be taken out of that He prayed that God would take that desire away and he did. And he has to pray that every day. But now because of that sin, because of that experience, because of that transformation of what God did, not him, he has an amazing testimony to tell. So he is regularly pursuing people in the far crevices of our world that the church so often ignores because it's hard. People engaged in the most sinful, corrosive things that we can imagine. He is regularly pursuing those people and telling with no lack of hope and confidence at look at what God has done for me. The ability he has now to connect because of this thing that he has experienced in the past gives him such uh, uh, validity, gives him such validity to speak at what God has done. And I tell him regularly, there are people you have been able to connect with for the gospel that would never give me the time or day because of where I've come from. He's not thankful for the sin. He's thankful that God has been at work in the midst of that always. Our past is about God, not us. Our present. The idea of being thankful is a gift from God. Every day in the present, we have to, be, we have to work on our daily comings and goings. Uh, we have to look, we have to work at looking to God and give thanks in all circumstances. Because here's why. To be thankful in the present is to declare God's goodness, whether it bears earthly fruit or not. Uh, there, there are these farmers, if, you could, if I could jump, it's, I was gonna do it later. There's, this, there's a scene in Malawi that uh, they're gonna call up for us. So check this out. This is this place called Pingo. In first service, I called it Chikwawa. I'm sorry. This place in southern Malawi. And these people, I was there a few years ago, right? And this is their farmland. It was devastated uh, by severe drought and then two years of flooding. Okay? So this is their farmland. It doesn't look very appealing. And every year, this is just after, soon after the flood, and every year they take all that they have and trust that the Lord is going to provide and they put it into the soil and thank the Lord and they are faithful to trusting the Lord whether it bears fruit or not. And more times than not, it doesn't bear fruit, yet they do it anyway. Why? Because they need to trust that God is going to provide. God's going to make a way. And as they're doing that, as they're being faithful, people are coming to know the Lord and they're saying, why And how do you have faith in God to provide? And with meager offerings, they're putting that in the basket and they're trusting that God will multiply that. And you know what? He is. And God is multiplying their faithfulness in the present, whether it bears fruit or not, that they can see 
But in eternity, I know that there will be people in heaven because they have been faithful. Over the past 12 years, I have seen hundreds of people pass from this side of heaven. I have, I have seen, uh, just, just, just in the last year, I was seeing uh, children who had been trafficked and then rescued. I, I, I've seen uh, children neglected. I, I've helped bury their parents. I've helped bury their grandparents. Like, I've seen people put everything into the soil and have nothing left and the rains washed it all away. Like, I have seen suffering. I am not thankful for that suffering, but I am thankful for how God has been at work in the midst of that suffering because of the hope that I have in Jesus and the hope that I have to help people see that their dignity, their value, their worth is not here, but it is secure and firm in the presence of our creator. I can bring hope to the hopeless, not for my gain, but for God's glory. And the other thing that being involved in suffering has given me a deep love for people. Like you can't help but love people when you see them at their weakest moment. And I'm so thankful to God, not for the suffering, but for the, the opportunities that that's had to do ministry. Uh, there's a woman that once wrote me that said, you're the only one, because of what you do, you're the only one who can know the depths of my suffering. And then she shared with me something horrendous that her family was going through. It brought me to my knees. And that happens all the time because people know that I've seen suffering and so maybe just a glimpse, I can get just a glimpse of what they're going through. And I'm thankful, not for their suffering, but our opportunity to come together and be reminded of our identity before us in Christ, now in the promises of what's to come. To be thankful in the present tells others what we yearn for in heaven. But it's also really important to note that in, 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 the, in the passages, particularly in the New Testament, when it says to be thankful, it's often like a passing thing. It's almost like a second nature thing. That scripture, the way they write about being thanksgiving, it's, it's, uh, it's because we should just, of course, be this way. <laughs> and God is a smart God, so he knows that like, we can't do that, but he puts these little reminders for us to work at it because over time, habits become the way we live. So check this out. In Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. This is what it says. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. It's like this little like, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and praises and spiritual songs with thanksgiving, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, give everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. And be thankful, right? So, and then in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, this is another one that's kind of like tucked in there. Philippians 4, 6 through 8, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Scriptures teach us that to be thankful is an anecdote for anxiety. So when you're anxious or distrusting, be thankful, practice being thankful, to be anxious about nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Right? It's, like it's, it's, a, it's a thing that should become a, a natural reaction. And it goes on and concludes in verse 8. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is in any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If we look for opportunities of how we can be thankful in our past, present, and future, we will see them because they are all over the place. Our God is not getting smaller. Do not believe what culture is telling you. Our God is not shrinking. He's not irrelevant. Our God is roaring and growing, and we are to be thankful. And here's why our future. Why is being thankful so obvious in Scripture? If, if I lack thankfulness regularly, I have to ask if I believe the gospel. If I'm not thankful, I'm ungrateful. I'm not becoming ungrateful. I am ungrateful. But we can live lives of thanksgiving and we must because it has eternal consequences, not just for us, but for others. And here's why. In 2 Corinthians 5, this is a good one to write down. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21. And this is what that says. I'm actually just gonna go through 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. This is what it says. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Thank you, God. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And listen to this verse. This is, this is the kicker. It's both super convicting and super liberating. At the same time, God's word is so good. Check this out. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So if there's something you're keeping from God, you're, you're perpetually ungrateful to God about, you have to give it to him. Because people are seeing you and they are sizing up God. They are, they are, they are evaluating the validity of God through us. At a time of entitlement, yes, entitlement has been throughout our past, but entitlement is ever-present, right? Anxiety is ever-present. Everything is gettable quickly, and we want it now. We are entitled people. Our thankfulness tells people that they do not need to live that way. They do not need to live in anxiety. They can live in peace. They do not need to live in ungratitude. They can live with a flourishing, roaring thanksgiving. We declare to others what we believe about God. And this verse tells us that therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are God's plan A and there is no plan B, folks. To be thankful is to, to daily tip the scales of hope to all people who encounter us. We are in a fight. We are in a race between, between hope and despair. And if we are not thankful people, the race matters. In an entitled world, we have the privilege, the honor of representing the one who created us. Let us be thankful. Okay. Great. I had this professor he used to say, Ryan, I had this professor in grad school, he used to say, Ryan, that was, I've probably done this before because I think about him all the time. He is in my head. 
His name is Bob Bain. He's an amazing guy, but annoying because he used to always say, Ryan, that was so compelling. Like, man, like I just, wow. Like I just feel with you. He's not a believer, but you know, we won't fault him. That's not the reason. I was, whatever. Bob Bain. See, I'm still working through what does he mean for my life? But Bob Bain, I'm so thankful because he used to say like, that is really, wow, that was so emotional. Like, I want to believe in you. But how are you going to do that? Uh, You can't just ask people to do something and then not give them a how. So how are you going to do that? Well, how do we become thankful people? Thankfulness has the potential to be viral. Uh, thankfulness has the potential to be viral. Uh, how do we become thankful? We work at it every day. Uh, the, you all know this Jesus Loves Me song that every kid, it seems like I go to the far corners of the world and I meet kids who are singing this song. Amazing. Well, the woman who wrote that song, her name is Anna Bartlett Warner. I don't know if I'm saying her middle name right, but Anna Warner. Uh, she, she wrote that song, but before she wrote that song, she would, she would do these prayers and meditations and, and, and pray to God. And, and one of the things that she started saying over and over to herself was this, one more day's work for Jesus, one less of life for me. One more day's work for Jesus, one less of life for me. And every day she would begin her day praying that posture upon her day. I can't worry about yesterday and what I didn't do for the Lord. I can't worry about tomorrow. I have today. One more day's work for Jesus, one less of life for me. And she, she began needing in herself through the Holy Spirit a posture of thanksgiving, which eventually led, among other songs, to Jesus Loves Me. It's pretty good. Every day, whether she was washing the dishes or writing a song that will be remembered until Christ returns, probably, uh, she tried to remember one more day's work for Jesus, one less of life for me. There's this book on the back of your sermon notes that I, that I recommend uh, called Raising Grateful Children in an Entitled World by Kristen Welch. Good little book. I gotta be honest, I haven't gotten through all of it. My wife has. It's generally the case. She's a much more tenacious reader than I am. But I've read a lot of it. And the only reason why I haven't finished it is because it's hard to read. Because I had this great aspiration of trying to raise grateful children. You know what the book told me? Spoiler alert, I need to become a grateful person. Uh, That's hard. Uh, But it's a good little book, and I really recommend it, whether you have kids or not. Um, And on the back, also of your sermon notes, there's there's, uh, number five, there's some challenges there. If you're not in a life group, We'd love for you to get in one. You can see me or anyone on staff. We'd love to help you figure out how to get in a life group. But, but there's some challenges that I'd love for your life groups to work through this week and take seriously. Um, but in two buckets that I'd put, prayer, I'd put on how to, how to become a thankful person, I'd put two buckets. Uh, pray and practice. Pray and practice. Pretty easy, right? So pray. What do I mean by that? I don't just mean like pray and thank the Lord for this dinner, although that is true. What I mean by that is like to, to, uh, to be thankful, to be thankful for this dinner, right? Like really think about what you're saying this week and practice every day when you're praying. What do I mean? What am I actually saying I'm thankful for and why, right? 
pray for divine appointments. Pray that God would give you people this week, maybe even today, that you have an opportunity to express God's gratitude for them. Whether they, they, know, whether they know the Lord or not, they are image bearers of our creator, right? How do I, the, the lady and the giant or, or wherever I am, when I look at them and I say, thank you for serving me, what I'm saying is, thank you for being an image bearer of the one who created me and created you. And you might not wanna say all of that stuff, but when you say thank you this week, you are saying that to the Lord as a prayer. That's what you're saying. And so pray for divine appointments. Pray for an opportunity to love well with your thankfulness. Another thing I do is, I do this especially when I'm traveling, but I pray for an opportunity to be abundantly generous with a stranger. So whether that means like buying somebody coffee, listening to someone tell a story for a really long time, even if I don't have time to listen to it, paying for someone's groceries. Like, I don't say that to brag, but more to say, when we, are, when we are grateful, we give out of the abundance of what we have, and it almost comes naturally. So make someone's day every day. That's, I have a definition of a good day, and that's one of those things. I have five things on there, calling my grandma's one of them, and we can talk about the others. But make someone's day every day. And pray for the divine appointment of who that should be. And even if I don't make your day, like I'm, I'm praying for you as I'm going about trying to discern whose day I should make that day as a gift from the Lord. Practice, just briefly, practice. This is easy. Look someone in the eye and thank, thank you, say thank you to them, okay? Uh, uh, there are, uh, this, is a, this is another quick one that I do. Uh, is to, uh, about every 10 days, this is, this cat's about out of the bag, about to be out of the bag here, but about every 10 days, I do this thing, it's been a ritual that's been helpful to me, I hope it's helpful to you, to, to foster a spirit of thanksgiving. About every 10 days, uh, I have a quiet day. My coworkers rejoice, but I, I have a, you can tell I love to talk, but I have a quiet day, and what that means is I don't plan the day it's when I get to a point where I regularly, I started seeing that I felt like everything I had to say was important or everything that was on my to-do list was essential. So about every 10 days, that's about the rhythm it's taken me. Some days it's shorter, I wish it was. But I, I, when I start feeling like I need to say something or all these things I need to do, I have a quiet day. I try to get rid of those appointments. I try to not speak unless absolutely necessary. And when I think I need to speak, it probably means I should be quiet. And look for how God is going to provide or make a way for that thing I had to do. And he's still going to make a way. Like I still take care of my kids and like I talk to them and shepherd them. Like I'm not, I don't abandon shit, but uh, I have a quiet day, right? And make a list. Make a list today, write out, take 10 minutes, write out the things you're thankful for and it'll grow. How do we do this? One more day's work for Jesus, one less of life for me. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and then we're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for being a life-giving God. We thank you for the ways that you so faithfully, patiently delivered us in our past. 
We thank you that you are our ever-present hope. And we thank you that our future is secure in you. What a joy it is to follow you. As we take communion, may all who see and meet us see and meet you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.